0: Well, I just want to um, take a couple minutes in my message and just kind of uh, recap a little bit about um, kind of what we've been talking about. And so if you texted the number, you got my notes, so you can uh, actually see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, don't get used to it. If, if if people like, like they get my notes on Saturday and they're like, oh, I see what he's preaching. I'm not coming to church. <laughs> I will stop sending you my notes. <laughs> but I also like, know that there are a few that are like, oh, i really like to have the notes. It helps me study. Well, hopefully this will help you study. But if you're like, oh, <laughs> it's crazy this week. I'm not going to listen to that. <laughs> It'll have to be a surprise then. <laughs> so for some of you, you knew what I was going to talk about, and so you knew that in my, in my notes it said Recap. Um, so last, last week we discussed how Jesus came to change the religious mindset of the day. That whenever he came to, um, when he came to and, and, the, and the, uh, the Pharisees began to question him and to question the disciples about what, uh, what they were doing and why they were eating with uh, unwashed hands and we saw that he was trying to make a difference, that he was trying to influence the people of that day, that it was important to have a relationship with him. And it was more about serving him with their hearts than it was with their actions. It was more about serving them with their hearts than it was their lips, because it said in uh, chapter seven and verse, I want to say it's like 14 or 15, it said that you serve me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Jesus, don't let us be like that. So Jesus wanted more than customs. He wanted and and still to this day wants relationship with you. Um, so we cannot be trapped by customs. When it comes down to customs, then we begin only to do actions rather than heart service. And, and I want to make my heart a place where Jesus wants to dwell. I want to be a temple of the the Holy ghost. I want to be, I want to be ready for him. I I want to be clean. I want to be pure. I want to follow him and have relationship with him. And so we must serve God with more than our lips. Jesus said to the Pharisees that they serve him with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I, I can't just say, I love you to my spouse. Here is like for, for all the single people in the house, <laughs> for all the single people <laughs> in the house, you can't just say I love you to your spouse and, and, and think that that's all good and that's everything that there is to it. My, my relationship with my spouse is more than just a word. It is an action. It is something that I do on a daily basis because I want to have relationship with her. The same is true to have relationship with Jesus. I can't just, you know, be like, I love you, Jesus. We're cool, right? And just like go on about my life. No, I've got to have relationship with him. That's why when I talked about the, um, the calendar for prayer and so that you can keep that mindset throughout the week of praying for other people. It's not just praying for yourself. It's praying for your church, praying for your city, praying for your friends, your family. There's a day on there that says, ask someone what you can pray about them for. Pray for them about, whatever, something like that. <laughs> um, also, <laughs> I just remembered, disclaimer, <laughs> I noticed last, uh, this morning as I pulled the stuff off of the printer that um, on the bottom of the, the scriptures that I gave you in the pamphlet, um, it says, if you would like the notes for today to next this number, and since I had already printed them, I was not going to waste the paper and just let you know that it's actually text, not next. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> you would laugh at that. That wasn't in my notes, that was a freebie today. <laughs> um, So the purpose of this church is to eliminate barriers and to get people to Jesus. That is the goal. If there was an ultimate vision for a church, I believe that's it, to eliminate barriers and get people to Jesus. It's so important that every single person have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we must be a disciple, right? We've been talking about discipleship for a long time. Like I feel like for like ever since the beginning of this, the whole purpose of this series was to fall in love with Jesus. It's about Jesus. Everything in here is what did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? The focus of this series is Jesus. Because if you fall in love with Jesus, and maybe I'm preaching to a bunch of people who are like, I already love Jesus. Well, good. Good. Keep going. Yes. Keep, keep taking steps in him. Keep producing that fruit, keep growing in him and having a relationship with him. Jesus will change your world. He'll change your life. I promise you. So maybe it's for no one in here, but there's been people from online that it's been for, I know because they messaged us and it's like, Whoa, I was wondering who this was for, (laughs) but we've got to be a disciple of Jesus. And to be a disciple, it requires us to walk with Jesus, crazy concept, but the disciples walked with Jesus, right? When we look at all these stories, they walked with him, they went where he went, they followed him, I should be that same, I should do the same thing, I should get into the word, what does Jesus say? What does he want me to do with my life? What what does it mean to, to follow him, get in there and do that? That's why Bible study, personal time and with us on tuesdays is important like you don't have to be here on tuesday but we have a pretty good time on tuesdays when we're here you hear the people laughing that are like (laughs) they come on tuesdays you know because they have a good time and it's before the live stream starts (laughs) and it's after the live stream we have a good time (laughs) but um it's it's it's, I think it's enjoyable to, to study the word of God with people that are excited about the word of God. And so that is one thing that has been uh, solidified in me. If you want to be excited about your relationship with Jesus, you need to get excited about the Bible. If you don't love the Bible, if you don't love what's in the Bible, how can you say I love Jesus? Because this is this is the word of God. This is this is this was meant for us. I I've got to love this. If I love the words that are here, I'm going to have a great relationship with Jesus. There's things that my wife says to me. There's times that she gets upset with me, and I was wondering how I'd get this into the message.
1: <laughs>
0: this morning. <laughs> I had said something, and I wasn't being mean, but I was just being—what is it called—facetious or something, you know? Like just, I was just, you know, pushing her buttons. This morning, I—I I yelled her name, Rochelle. <laughs> she didn't hear me. I yelled it again, and she's like, "What?" Rochelle. <laughs> I like three or four times until she was screaming, "What?" <laughs> well, later on, like I was already in a mood, and and so. <laughs> We're standing, we're getting ready to leave and, and everything. And she's like, I was asking her if she had done something or put something in her. She was just like, ah, you know, that's what I heard. You know, and I, just, I grabbed her and I kissed her. <laughs> and she, she stopped talking. <laughs> and I turned around and I just walked off. And she's like, wait a minute. You can't just kiss me and get away with arguing. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say you know, like I'm giving you, like, this is this is kind of the goofy weird way that I think sometimes, but you know, like sometimes in my relationship with Jesus, like it's it's just like that interaction between me and my wife. There's like this, you know, like I'm, I'm she's I'm not listening to her clearly. You know, and she's trying to get a point across to me. And it's kind of like that with, with Jesus. He's trying to get a point across to me. He's trying to to tell me something, and I'm just so like cool. I turn around and walk off. I was going to say kiss, but just, you know, like the the thought in my mind was like, this is not going the right direction that I wanted it to go. Like, let me change that real quick. You know, I just ignore it. Like, is kind of what I was doing when I did that to my wife. I was ignoring what she said. So in relationship to, to Jesus, if I don't listen to what he says, then I don't really have a relationship with him. And so like, take real life instances take take opportunities where you're like, oh my goodness, this is what it's like in a relationship with Jesus. I, I, I have got to work on that. I have got to put the work in. I got to study his word. I got to pray. Let's dive into Mark 8. So the beauty of what we see in Mark 8 is Jesus continuing to work. So like right at the very beginning of the scriptures, I, I didn't put all of them in there. I, I'm not going to read all of, of Mark chapter 8, but I kind of want to break down a couple of portions that really stood out to me. So we see compassion right in the beginning for the physical needs of the people as well as the spiritual needs. We see this when Jesus fed the 5,000. He was concerned not only to feed them spiritually, but he, he wanted to also feed them physically. And so he fed the 5,000 and we had a message about brokenness and, and how many of us come to Jesus and we're broken and we try and hide it, but it's that small offering that we need to give him. And so we see it here again with the, with the 4,000. Jesus has always valued the spiritual needs over the physical, but he doesn't say that the physical can't be met. He doesn't say that I'm not gonna meet the physical needs. He doesn't say that I, I don't care about the physical needs in this portion of scripture we see that Jesus does care about the physical and the spiritual. He does care about the way that you live your life. He does care about the things that you go through. He does, and this is a portrait of that, how Jesus does care. But Jesus, in that moment, in that time, he fulfilled the spiritual, and he also fulfilled in the physical. He also also broke the bread for the 4,000 and it was more than enough to feed them. We see a leftover of seven baskets for the feeding of the 4,000. So this is where we really start to, to dive in with the scriptures in Mark, in Mark chapter 8, um, starting at verse 11. So the Pharisees came. These guys just love to rag on Jesus. They just love to, to question Jesus. And so here we see the Pharisees came. And begin to argue with him, demanding of him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation demand a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign shall be given to this generation. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and went to the other side. Oh, there's so much here. So let's kind of start to break down what we see here. So the Pharisees are coming, and they're asking for a sign. Okay, we know some things about the chapter of, or the book of Mark. We've, we've seen some different things that have happened with uh, Jairus' daughter. He was, kind of, he was a ruler. He was a religious ruler in the day. And, and Jesus raised his dead daughter. We, we, we know that the Pharisees had seen Jesus do work. We know that Pharisees had seen Jesus do something. But what we see here is Jesus rejecting to give them a sign in my mind, Jesus is probably like, I've already done it. Like, hello. <laughs> Come on. And So we see the Pharisees just, just being themselves again. We, we know that from past accounts in the books of Mark, that they have experienced plenty of signs to know who Jesus is. Their hearts, though, this was about the hearts. Their hearts were not in the right place. I want you to remember this because in the later scriptures, we're going to tie this back in, but their hearts were not in the right place. They came, and it didn't matter what Jesus would have done that day. They would have rejected him anyway because they've seen plenty of work. And so it's kind of the same way with with us. Our hearts have got to be in the right place. So what is the condition of your heart? Jesus was concerned about the Pharisees. Jesus died for the Pharisees. Jesus loved the Pharisees, but what he hated was the life that they were so stuck and rigid in their customs that they had forgotten the word of God. Scribes, when it when the Bible talks about scribes, this is something new this week. Scribes were considered... Uh, the writers but also lawyers they were educated people and then you have the phar- the Pharisees the scribes and the Sadducees and these were important people but the Sadducees or the, the sorry the the scribes were people that had interpreted the law and added to essentially added to what God had said and that's kind of what we broke down a couple of weeks ago when we talked about how they had said where the Bible says honor your mother and father and they said well if this is if this is an offering to God then I, don't, then I don't have to give it to my mom and dad. I don't have to take care of my mom and dad because this is an offering. And so that was an example. And Jesus said that there was many other things that they were doing. And so they were very legalistic in their thinking. They were very legalistic in, in relationship. It wasn't relationship. It was all law-based. And so I want to have a relationship with Jesus. And so I've got to look at the condition of our, my heart. We can become like the Pharisees. Demanding that Jesus do a work for us and our heart not be in the right place. That it's all about what I need. It's all about, God, give me a sign. I, I, I need a sign to know that you're real. I, I need a sign to know that you love me. I need a sign to, you, Jesus is like, I, I, I died for you. Like, you need any more signs that I love you, that I care about you? I found worth within you before you could even find worth in yourself. Come on, Jesus cares about you no matter what you think of yourself. He still loves you. He found worth with, for you back on Calvary. He loves you and cares for you and, and wants to have relationship with you. And, and, and it matters the condition of our hearts. So when we come to Jesus, we should examine our hearts. It's okay to pray for prayers of things that, that we want or need. That's, that's okay. But it can't be the only thing in our prayer. We've got to pray for others. We've got to pray for one another. Your relationship with Jesus must be more than your wants and needs. It must also include what he wants and needs. That's like really important because here's what can happen a lot of times. People can have a good, you know, they can, they can struggle in life and they're like, you know what, I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna go one Sunday and, see what happens. Like, okay, God, here you go. You got one time. You got one Sunday. That's it. Nothing happens. It's your fault. It's kind of like the Pharisees in that situation, demanding a sign from God. God, if you heal me today, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And, and, and God's like, you haven't served me yet. I love you. But there's got to be action in love, right? right? Jesus did the action. He died on the cross. He, he died for us so that we could have salvation. Yeah. So your relationship with Jesus has to be more than your wants and needs. It can't be praying just about what you want. It's also got to include others and what, what he wants. We are told in Matthew to go into all the earth. Well, Going into all the earth requires us getting out of our comfort zone. Oh, gosh, I hate getting out of my comfort zone. Let me tell you, my comfort zone is in my bed. Oh, let me tell you. Like just chilling in bed all day is awesome. But to do the will of God, trust me, it's more than laying in bed all day on Saturday. It's doing something For the kingdom, it's having a relationship with him. And you know what? Sometimes in relationship, he's gonna be like, Hey, I need you to tell someone about me because they need me. And we're like, Whoo, Jesus, (laughs) that's scary. (laughs) I don't have boldness. I I can't do that. And he's like, it's they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. Like, just just chill and just be like, Yeah, go to church, you know. Like that's how it started for me. Like, I used to, like, I remember at work, I would <laughs> go to work. And i uh, would be like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? And I'd be like, I got a church thing. And the first thing would pop in my mind, oh, nothing. But a perfect opportunity. that They asked me what I was doing. I could be like, I'm going to church. I'm going to go to church on Saturday or uh, Sunday. Um, and, and so many times, like, I missed opportunities. <laughs> and then every once in a while, I'd be like, What are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm going to go to church. So I've always been this type of person that hid my beliefs and everything. I was always afraid. (laughs) Oh, Lord, I come here and I put a video on Facebook and like you're walking through Walmart and someone's like, hey, I see your video every morning when I wake up. And I'm like, cool. (laughs) Guess I'm going to church this weekend. scares me. But you know what? It has pushed me out of my comfort zone. I li- I go to work. Someone asks me what I'm doing this weekend. Well, I'm going to church. What about you? <laughs> you know, like, it's normal now. It's like, I like to tell people about church and it's okay to tell people that I go to church. It's okay to tell people that you have a relationship with God. It's important. So let's, let's continue on. Moving on to verse 14. So as I read this next portion of scripture, I want you to really think about what is happening here. In verse 14, it says, The disciples had forgotten to take bread and only had one loaf with them in the boat. Oh, Lord. Oh, this part is so good. (laughs) Let me tell you. Okay, so then he gave them strict orders. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They were discussing among themselves that they did not have any bread. Let's stop right there. I know there's more there, but hold on. Let's just break this part down. Okay, lots of stuff. Okay, so remember back the hearts of the Pharisees? They were not good, right? They were, they were coming to Jesus like, give us a sign of who you are. And he's like, I'm not giving you a sign. It's a, it's a wicked generation that asks for a sign. I, I'm going to not giving you a sign. I'm getting back in the boat and going. Well, here we go. We find Jesus giving a warning saying that the Pharisees to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What does that mean? Like, okay, so we know what leavening is, right? So it's like, what is it? Yeast, baking soda, things like that that you put in your your cake or whatever. It helps the bread rise or, you know, whatever. I don't really, I don't bake, so I don't really know how it works. But I know, like, you put the yeast in water, it bubbles and ferments and whatever. Um, And so he was saying that their leaven was bad. Their hearts were bad, that their hearts were not in the place that they needed to be, that their hearts had turned away from him and were more about serving customs than serving God. And so clearly the writer here found this detail very important about the disciples only bringing one loaf of bread. like there was something that this writer sees in, in verse 14 about the about them only bringing a little bit of bread and then in verse 15 we see Jesus give this warning of, of the uh, to the Pharisees to beware of them. you see what Jesus didn't want was to have something corrupt get into what he was trying to do. He was like, disciples, guys, I want you to guard your heart. Don't, don't allow this over here to creep into what I'm teaching you. Don't, don't allow this over here to creep in and spoil what I'm doing in you and through you. Oh, think about that for just a moment. Think about that and how that applies to your life. When we talk about sin and we talk about keeping things out of our lives, there is a reason why that we turn away from sin. And then when we come to Jesus, it's because we're trying to keep those things that spoil us out, the things that are bad for us. Jesus wanted us to have a pure relationship with him. This is what he's saying right here. This is in love. So we must strive to keep uncleanliness out and remain as pure as we can we're going to make mistakes. That's okay. That's what repentance is for. So in verse 19, we see um, it it really get in there. So here here we find the disciples not even considering what Jesus had said. Rather, they were more concerned about the lack of bread. How many of us get concerned about the lack of possessions, the lack of things that we have? We get concerned about that more than what Jesus is saying. It's kind of like that point when I was trying to make when with me and my wife this morning just being goofy. But it's kind of like that where Jesus is like, this is what I want you to do. And <laughs> I'm like, cool, got it. I'm going to go over here and do this then. Doing the exact opposite of what Jesus wants us to do. I don't know if I've shared this story with you or not. If, if I have, you can listen to it again as I tell it. But <laughs> there, was a, there was a moment in my time, I remember Quiznos, so it was a long time ago, obviously, because there's like no Quiznos anymore. Um, but I was at a Quiznos and... I walked past this guy and I, I swear I felt God just really put it on my heart that I needed to talk to him. And I was like, okay, here's what I'll do. If that was really God, let him stay outside the quiz nose until I get my sandwich. And afterwards, I'll go talk to him. So I went through the line, I got my quiz nose. I look out the door as I'm getting ready to go out. I'm like, oh, Jesus, he's still there. <laughs> Jesus touch him, <laughs> and I went to my car, got in my car, and I drove off God, oh, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about um, i can't remember where it is or what it is, but you can google it and find it, but I remember it talks about if you've if you've given um oh what is it well it's talking about uh Feeding like the homeless and the hungry, and if you've done this, the least of these, you've done it also unto me. Kind of thing. I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it's 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 in there. If you Google that, little, done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. So like, and I thought about this. I was like, wow, that opportunity of my life has now become a teaching point. I now very hard. I, I try very hard to. when when someone's name pops into my head to either pray for them, call them. If I walk past someone in the store and I feel like I need to talk to them or just say hello, I do it because I don't want to miss. I don't want to have another moment in my life where I remember about an opportunity that I missed to answer the call of God. See, the call of God isn't always some big giant step. Sometimes it's just saying hello to someone. Hi, how you doing? Like actually caring. If there was anything that I could tell you, I want this church to be, I want this to be a church that is caring. That when you ask, how was your day? How was your week, Teresa? Like, I, I, want, I want to care about your week. I don't want it to be just conversation. When you tell me, I, I, want, I, want to, I want you to know that I actually care about how your week went. That's how we've gotta be because so many times it can be like, hey, how are you doing? And you'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. But really deep down on the inside, you're crying and screaming for help. And you're looking for someone that actually cares. Church, can we be a church that cares for people that walk through the door? Care for people that that need love, that that need Jesus in their lives? Oh, that's what we've got to be. So we know that the disciples had saw the 4,000 fed. We know that the disciples had saw the 5,000 fed. But they were worried about the one loaf that they had. What are we going to do? They were so worried about the lack of what they had that they forgot that the God of more than enough was with them. They were so worried about what was little here that they forgot that Jesus was in the boat with them, the one who broke the bread and like fed the 5000 and there were 12 baskets left over. The one that broke the bread just recently, a couple of verses back, like literally at the beginning, Mark chapter 8, where we're in right now, and there was seven baskets left, and here they are in the boat. Oh, we've only got one piece of bread. Oh, oh what's the guy to do? They had saw everything. They were just like the Pharisees. They had saw everything but never had a realization of what was going on. We can't be just like that sometimes where we see all that Jesus has done and we're like, what's a guy to do? I don't know. Look at what God has done in your life. Look what he's doing in you and through you. Look at the fruit that you're beginning to produce. You don't need to be in a whole orchard. You don't have to be a whole orchard. We're just looking for one apple. We're just looking for one grape, just something small. Those small things are big things because it started from a seed. It began, the ground had to be cultivated and become good before before you could produce that apple. We don't need to be an orchard right away, but we've gotta produce that fruit. We've gotta have that relationship with Jesus Christ. They were worried. They had not realized their eyes had not been open to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. So Jesus was aware of what was going on in verse 17. He says, aware of this, he said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Don't you understand or comprehend? Do you have hardened hearts? Jesus asked his disciples that had been following him, do you have hardened hearts? Jesus, oh, Lord, don't let me have a hardened heart. Let me have a heart that is is like a child. Let me have childlike faith with you, God. Let me have a relationship with you. Never let me have a hardened heart. Do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear? Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets of leftovers did you collect? 12, they told him. When I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many baskets full of pieces did you collect? Seven, they said. And he said to them, don't you understand yet? Jesus was passionately making a plea. Don't you understand that I love you? Don't you understand that I care for you? Don't you understand that I am more than enough? When you judge just one piece, when that's all you've got to give me, that's all you need to give me. When if it's just one apple, God, off of the tree, give it to him because he can make the orchard from the apple. If you give him the talents and the fruit that you've got in your life, he is the God of more than enough and your life has the ability to touch other people's lives, to move in some else's life I want to have a relationship with God that's not just for me but it works in me and through me into other people's lives when people come into contact with me and with you I want people to know that there is something different because of your relationship that you have with Jesus Christ why are your hearts hardened do you have ears and don't see do you have do you have ears and don't hear don't you remember I fed the five thousand Fed the 4,000 with more than enough. I am all that you need. That's all Jesus was trying to get across to them. I am more than enough just have a relationship with me the disciples had walked with him so far and for so long and yet their eyes still were not opened and the story is same with many people in our lives today that they've seen the works of God they've seen Jesus touch people they've seen Jesus move in their lives and yet they cannot get it that that, oh God. You're the one I've got to come to. You're the one I've got to run to. You're the one is the answer for my problem in the midnight hour. Oh, I'm thankful for doctors. I am. I am. I'm thankful, but I know the great physician. I can go to him. I'm thankful for for what God, I I value education. I'm still in school, but I can't educate. I can educate myself to the point where I forget about how good Jesus is. And I can be like the person who needed God. And I come to church and I give him one opportunity. And maybe he fulfills in that opportunity that I give him. And then it's like, oh, I've got a relationship with God. And things begin to change. Because when you put good things into your life, Good things begin to come out of your life. Fruit begins to produce. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm doing this on my own. I don't need Jesus anymore. And so when I was down and out, I needed Jesus. But now that I'm good to go, I don't need him anymore. I've got it on my own strength, on my own will, on my own plan. I want to, no matter the status of my life, no matter where I'm at, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't ever get to the point where you're like, you know what? I'm good. Because at that moment, you're not good. Vital check. The moment you think you're okay. The moment that you think you've arrived is the moment that you're dead. I want to continue to have pulse in my relationship with Jesus every day that I live. Oh Lord, God, don't let me get a bad attitude. Don't let me get angry. I sat behind someone the other day And they turned right, left, they turned left, and they weren't in the turning lane. And I was like, what are you doing? Your turn signal's on, you're not in the the turning lane, it's over here. And I was like, Jesus, touch them. Don't let me get a bad attitude. Because things like that just, for some reason, give me a bad attitude. I'm a bad driver myself. But when I see another bad driver, I get a bad attitude. Don't don't be like that. Oh, Jesus, bless them. When someone wrongs you or someone upsets you, pray a prayer for them and just be like, Jesus, bless them. Jesus, touch them. Move in their life. All of a sudden, that bitterness and anger that is in your life that you've, like, known for years, all of a sudden, it'll begin to disappear, and you'll be like... Because you know what, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about dwelling in the presence of the Lord forever. That's part of it. When you see someone that makes you upset, Jesus touch them. When you run into that coworker that for some reason just gets under your skin, Jesus touch them. We all have coworkers that are like that. They get under their skin. I bet you I have been a coworker that gets under someone's skin. I'm sure I've done something. (laughs) Oh, I want someone to pray for me whenever I get under their skin. (laughs) So I'm going to do that when they get under mine. So we see here that the disciples, that their eyes had not been opened, that that their physical eyes were not opened, or their spiritual eyes, I'm sorry, were not opened. And so our prayer should be, God, open my eyes. Not these eyes, but open my spiritual eyes so that I can see what you have for me so I can see the vision that you have for me, so I can see the plan that you have for me. So let's, let's continue on. We're almost done. I've got a couple more scriptures here, two more parts, and, and then we'll be done. Uh, they came, in verse 22, they came to be, uh, Bethesda. Uh, they, they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and brought him out of the village, spitting on his eyes, laying his hands on him. He asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking, so there wasn't like good clear vision, right? Jesus had touched him one time and his vision wasn't whole. So again, Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. The man looked intently and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So let's look at the process there is a process for your life. There is a process for your relationship with God. It it isn't just one touch and done. It it isn't just one time and it's over. We see that here. Jesus, we we saw it whenever he raised the, 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 the dead daughter. He picked her up by the hand and she was fine. We know that one touch can be enough, right? We know that he has all power. He could have healed the blind man with just one touch but it took two. There was a reason that it took two. We know when the woman with the issue of blood, who in her day should have been unclean, should not be touching anyone that anyone that she touched would be, be considered unclean. Anything that she would sit on would be, become unclean. And we see her touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And her faith is what Jesus felt. And everyone's touching him. And all of a sudden, boom, she's healed. And he says, like, somebody touched me. He didn't even touch him, But we see here, it took twice. Why is this? Okay, so the disciples were like the blind man. Let's break this down. The disciples were like the blind man seeing trees walking around. You can only imagine what that's like, being blind your life, and then all of a sudden you see trees walking. Whoa, I didn't know that trees walked. <laughs> that's weird. But rather... Jesus wanted to paint the picture here in this moment. As he touched this man, and his eyes were somewhat opened. He didn't run off and say, I've got it. I've got my vision. I can see. He didn't run off. He stayed in the presence of God. He stayed there. And Jesus touched him again. And at that moment, in the second touch, is when the full healing happened. So what was Jesus trying to get across here? What was Jesus trying to say in this miracle? One touch was not enough. That one touch will not sustain you for the rest of your life. That one touch is not good enough that I need to come back to Jesus again and again. You know what? Better yet, I never need to leave Jesus because I want to stay there by his side. And I want him to continue to put his hand on me. I want him to continue to move in my life. I, cont- I want him to continue to, to touch me, to change me. There's a story. So, so back in the day when I was in the military, I, uh, I was still in training at the time to become a surgical tech. Super excited about working in surgery. And uh, really I could tell you like this whole story, I'm cutting out a bunch of it just to like save time. <laughs> but um, there was this lady named Karen Chambers who like a long time ago was my was uh, I think a Sunday school teacher but also my choir teacher, or me and my sister fought a lot, not this sister, other sister. Mm-hmm. But um, we, uh, we fought a lot and she was like, Praising Jesus one day with her hand in my face. <laughs> I I could praise Jesus with your hand in my face. You're on the floor now. <laughs> so I got sent upstairs to my dad. Well, anyways, <laughs> she was a captain at the time in the army. Well, now I'm in the army and uh, I'm at training, and she's coming to Fort Sam Houston, <laughs> and she's now a lieutenant colonel. And she's running some big medical facility down in, I believe it was Panama, but I might have that wrong. But anyway, she was like, hey, you want to go out to eat? And I was like, sure. She bought my dinner. We went to Olive Garden. It was really cool you know, to talk to someone that I hadn't seen in years. Um, and it was funny thinking about the, the stories back in the day when I was a really a child. And here I am in the military, and she's like my superior officer you know, and I have to salute her and stuff, so that was weird. Um, <laughs> but anyways, we were in plain clothes, so none of that happened. Um, but uh, I'll tell you this. So She was telling me a story about the surgery center there in the, in the little medical clinic that was happening. And so it was kind of like in the jungle area, and so people would come in and they would get treated. Well, there were people that they would get treated the one time and then they would leave and never come back. And so there were people... That would finally eventually come back because their legs stunk. The reason why their legs stunk was because the one time that they came in, they put a cast on their leg. And you know what? The cast is not the permanent solution, is it? It's not the final fix. When the doctor puts the cast on your leg, it's like, what, six, eight weeks, 12 weeks, you know, something in that range, you know, and you're back on your foot again, trying to exercise it and get it moving again. But they didn't know. They didn't understand. They thought that the cast, was the final fix and so they ended up losing their leg anyways because they had gotten gangrene and it it began to get so bad in there so they ended up losing their legs because for years they had wore a cast think about that for just a moment now there was a person that failed in giving that person clear instructions to come back and the same thing can happen with us in our relationship with Jesus Christ or we fail to come back and get that final, to get that next touch, to get that next thing. You know, we can, you, you break your foot, there's a process in the healing. You know, you go to the doctor, he resets it, he puts it in a cast, and you leave it on there. And then sometimes you need physical therapy, you need, you need help, you need, because you've, you can't walk like you used to. I broke my foot, it's terrible. But the cast is not the final option. And, and so, we must continue to come back because I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be who I want to be. But in Jesus, he makes up the difference because He is the God of more than enough. This is my final point. And I'm going to wrap up. We're going to pray. But, but Jesus said here in verse 27, Jesus went out with his disciples up to the village in, uh, of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But Jesus didn't care about what other people were saying about him. He said, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, oh, you're the Messiah. And, and it wasn't just him that had come to that realization, but it was, it, it was Jesus, the Holy Ghost, that, that began to move and began to reveal that to Peter. And he and he, he warned them, don't tell anyone about them. You see, what Jesus was saying is, is, it doesn't matter what other people say about me. What matters is the condition of your heart, the condition of your eyes. This took place after they saw him open the eyes of the blind. And all of a sudden their spiritual eyes became like the blind man when he could see whole he, he, their eyes, their spiritual eyes opened. And the same is true with us. We have got to live in relationship with Jesus Christ. We've got to love him. We've got to come to him. We've got to read his word. We've got to follow him every day. We've got to have relationship with him. Because if I have relationship with Jesus, I'm going to care about your week, Teresa. If I have relationship with Jesus, I'm gonna care about how your week went, Wanda. I'm gonna care about the things that are going on in your life and I'm gonna be there and hopefully be able to help you or at least point you to the answer of the person that can help you, Jesus Christ. I do care and the same has got to be true for each and every one of us. When we come in contact with someone, we have got to love them and care for them. Because it is what Jesus wants us to do. We've got to have childlike faith. I want to be a willing vessel to allow him to shake me and mold me. What is it that you're looking for? What is it that you're concerned about right now? Just like the disciples were concerned about the fact that they just had a little bit of bread. What are you concerned about right now? that's coming between you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Praise God if there's nothing there, but search your heart right now. What comes to mind as something that is trying to separate you from your relationship with Jesus? Are you sitting in the boat of life, worried about all of the problems that you've got piling up in your life? Or are you focused on the master who's got everything that you need. What is it that is in your life right now that that is separating you from that deep relationship with Jesus Christ? We can't be in a hurry. It's not a race. I've got to come to Jesus. And one of the things that I'm so passionate about is making time for prayer. Making time. If you need prayer, I want to pray for you, and, and I want this to be one of those days. If you need something from God, if there's something that you're struggling with, and you want someone to pray with you, I want you to come up to the front. I, I want, I want to, I want to pray for you. I want to lift you up in prayer, because we all have moments where we're struggling where we get our eyes off of Jesus and we look at what we have. And it's just a little bit. It's just brokenness. He's like, I've got you. I'm in the boat. Jesus is in the boat today. And he wants to touch your life. Jesus, I pray right now that you would sweep across this place, God. For everyone that was here, for every person that watched, I pray that you would move in their lives right now. That you would call again to them, to draw them to you. God, I pray that you would change our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, uh, if you need prayer right now, why don't you make your way up here and and, and let me pray with you. I I want God to touch you. Don't feel any pressure. You don't have to, but if you need prayer, I want to pray for you.